3: Good morning. This is the California Report. I'm Maddie Bolaños in San Francisco. Fire crews in Northern California have made some progress in containing the Electra wildfire. On Wednesday, evacuation orders were lifted in part of Amador County. Electra Fire spokesperson Chris Vestal explains.
0: We had 40% containment, which is a nice jump from where it was previously in the day. The weather has been very favorable, allowing our crews. Be able to really get into the fire, make a lot of progress.
3: Calaveras County is still under evacuation orders, and more than 4,000 acres have burned in the Electra fire, which started on July 4th. Wildfire smoke is likely one reason Lake Tahoe was a little murkier last year. Researchers say clarity decreased slightly in 2021. Cap Radio's Steve Milney explains.
4: Lake Tahoe's average annual clarity was 61 feet last year compared to 63 feet in 2020. I think I prefer to
2: say it was largely unchanged from, from the previous year.
4: Jeffrey Schlatto heads the UC Davis Tahoe Environmental Research Center, which measures lake clarity throughout the year. The goal is to restore lake clarity to its historic 97 feet. Schlatto says the lake is not fully recovered from a spike of fine particles that float into its waters after the extremely wet year of 2017. The Caldor Fire and other recent wildfires have also had an impact.
2: The clarity did go down in the wake of, of those fires. What's not really understood and what these studies will address have other reasons for that.
4: The studies he's referring to are expected later this year, looking at the precise role of wildfires on lake clarity and overall lake health.
3: Once again, that was CAP Radio's Steve Milney reporting. The ongoing drought is already having a huge impact on California residents this summer, as many are facing restrictions on how often they can water outdoors. The California Report's Keith Mizuguchi says one water district in Southern California is hoping a small device can help keep the biggest water wasters in
2: line. The Los Virginas Municipal Water District represents about 75,000 customers in L.A. County. Many of the communities, like Calabasas and Hidden Hills, are home to celebrities. And it's also home to some of the state's top water wasters. District officials say on average, customers used more than 200 gallons of water per day last year. With new restrictions in place this year, water officials hope to get that down to 80 gallons per person per day. To that end, the district has now started to install flow restrictors that drastically limits water flow to customers. Mike McNutt is spokesperson for the water district.
0: The flow restriction device was meant to immediately curb water usage for the most egregious water users that are within our service area. The idea is not to be punitive. The idea is to be a deterrent for people to continue that standard behavior. McNutt
2: says since starting the program last month, they've only installed a handful of these water flow devices, reserving them for the biggest water wasters in the district. He says the water flow devices are a last resort, and the district's goal is to actually have customers sign a water usage commitment form and voluntarily cut their water usage. For the California Report, I'm Keith Mizuguchi.
3: State regulators have launched an investigation into shots fired at a PG&E electricity substation in Kern County over the weekend. KQED's Ted Goldberg reports.
0: The shooting damaged transformers and other equipment at an unmanned substation northwest of Bakersfield on Saturday. The damage led to a power outage and the release of 5,000 gallons of oil. A PG&E representative says crews are cleaning up the spill and making repairs to the facility. A spokesperson for the California Public Utilities Commission says the agency is investigating. Kern County Sheriff's deputies are also looking into the shooting. In 2013, a sniper attack caused significant damage to a PG&E substation in Santa Clara County. That same facility was burglarized 16 months later. For the California Report, I'm Ted Goldberg.
3: Meanwhile, a military rocket test launched near Santa Barbara ended in failure last night, with the rocket blowing up seconds after launch. KCLU's Lance Orozco has the story.
0: It was a test launch from Vandenberg Space Force Base which ended with a huge explosion. A Minotaur 2 Plus rocket lifted off from Vandenberg's test pad 01 at 1101 Wednesday night. It's on the north side of the base. Vandenberg officials say it blew up around 11 seconds later with some debris ending up back in the launch area. As is routine during launches, base emergency crews were on standby monitoring the launch. There were no reports of injuries. Base officials say the debris was contained to the area of the launch pad, but the explosion did trigger a small brush fire in the area. The rocket was carrying what's known as the MK-21A reentry vehicle, which is intended to be used on a new intercontinental ballistic missile. They're both under development, but the Minotaur II rocket used existing technology in the form of decommissioned Minuteman II missile boosters. There have been more than a half dozen successful Minotaur II launches over the last 20 years before this explosion. An investigation into the accident is underway. For the California Report, I'm Lance Roscoe.
3: LA County's prosecutor could be losing his job. On Wednesday, opponents submitted more than enough petition signatures to qualify for a recall election against District Attorney George Gascon. Some say he's soft on crime. A spokesperson with the recall campaign says they spent about $8 million to gather over 700,000 signatures. If certified, the election would be the latest in a string of recalls in California. Companies that employ food production workers were cited by state regulators for violating COVID-19 workplace rules four times more than all other industries in the state combined. That's according to a new report from the California Institute for Rural Studies, which looked at data from between April 2020 and August 2021. Here's researcher Dr. Debra Saxton. The
0: violations documented in the Kalosha dataset included failure to provide face masks, failure to enforce face masks and physical distancing, failure to
3: implement and develop injury and illness prevention plans with respect to COVID. Ag employers also received lower fines than employers in industries like healthcare and skilled nursing. At least two immigrant detainees have been held in punishing solitary confinement for about a week at the for-profit private facility where they are locked up in Bakersfield. The men and their attorneys say it's retaliation for supporting a peaceful labor strike. KQED's Farida Javala Romero reports.
4: Some people held at the Mesa Verde Detention Center have been refusing to clean dorms and bathrooms for $1 a day for more than two months, say immigrant advocates. And last week, about eight more detained workers joined the strike. Mohamed Musa, an immigrant detainee from Egypt, supports them.
2: I call for hum- humane treatment, and I stand up against the unfair treatment. It's like the slavery rate of $1 a day.
4: Among other things, strikers are calling to be paid California's minimum wage of $15 an hour. Musa says he signed his name on a piece of paper declaring they were joining the strike and alerted staffers with the GEO Group, the prison company paid by U.S. Immigration and Customs Enforcement to operate the facility. The next day, on June 29th, guards moved Musa to a cell used for what's officially known as administrative segregation. Detainees call it the hole. He's been kept since then in a small, windowless cell for 22 hours a day or longer. He says
2: it gives you anxiety. It gives you um, raise your stress level, raise your your depression level. Yeah, it's 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 a terrible place to be at. It's like they dig a grave and
4: throw you in. The cell is about 6 feet by 12 feet long, with a toilet, clogged sink, and a cot to sleep on, says Pedro Figueroa, a striker who was moved to solitary confinement on June 30th, a day after Musa. Guards push meals, and sometimes a phone, through a slot in the cell's metal door.
2: I chose to not work anymore and, and voice my opinion on that within my ride, respectfully. And um, a lot of other individuals uh, felt the same.
4: Detainees like Figueroa often volunteer to work cleaning dorms to help their families pay for phone calls and commissary items. Figueroa is a dad of four U.S. citizen kids and a former inmate firefighter who fought the Dixie Fire in 2020. He and Musa were placed in solitary confinement on charges of engaging in or inciting a demonstration and conduct that disrupts or interferes with the security or operation of the facility, according to geoforms viewed by KQED.
2: This is what they're doing to retaliate against people that speak up, you know. This is what they're doing to intimidate us, which I am intimidated
4: a spokesman with GEO strongly rejected the allegations that the company is retaliating against the detainees. He repeatedly denied there's even a labor strike, arguing that the work program is voluntary. But the spokesman declined to say what demonstration Musa and Figueroa are charged with inciting. These private prison companies are profiting by the millions, up to the billions of dollars every year by using these voluntary work programs. Eunice Cho is an attorney with the ACLU National Prison Project. She says GEO and other private prison companies nationwide often use the $1 a day program to do the things they need to run immigration detention centers, like cleaning, laundry, and maintenance. Private prison companies have often used punishment
3: to actually force people to perform this labor.
1: Doing things
3: like uh, threatening and putting people into solitary confinement, denying food, This, of course, obviously is uh, unconstitutional punishment.
4: That's because immigrant detainees also have freedom of speech through the First Amendment, says Cho. Now, courts in California and other states are deciding whether these practices constitute forced labor or violate minimum wage laws, and whether companies like GEO are accountable. A spokesperson for U.S. Senator Alex Padilla says that reports of potentially exploitative work at Mesa Verde are alarming, especially if detainees are facing retaliation for protesting the conditions, and that the senator's office is working to gather additional information. ICE did not immediately return requests for comment. For the California Report, I'm Farida Yavala-Romero.
3: And that's the California Report for Thursday, July 7th. We're a production of KQED Public Radio. I'm Marí Bolaños. Thanks for listening and have a great day. Support for the California Report comes from the California Healthcare Foundation, working to build a more effective, compassionate, and just healthcare system. On the web at chcf.org health equity. Personal capital providing people with financial tools like the Retirement Planner to help them achieve their financial goals, personalcapital.com. And Eric and Wendy Schmidt through the Schmidt Family Foundation, working together to create a just world where all people have access to renewable energy, clean air and water, and healthy food, on the web at theschmidt.org.
2: Hey, it's Glenn Washington from Snap Judgment, and if you love what you're hearing...